Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right here, right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together. We'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly Encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly a journey to the other side. Heavenly Encounters. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, today is the first of our seven-part series on the Foundation for Spiritual Growth. But first, don't forget to check out my latest blog, Pageants and Princesses, Part 1, my Across the Veil Conversations with John Bonet Ramsey, as well as access all of our past shows at heavenlyencountersradio.com. Now, we have talked about a lot of different subjects on the show, some a little stranger than others, but if you are new to this, it all may seem a bit confusing. So we are going to give you an overview of how the heavenly realm and our human existence on earth interact, kind of like a rules of the road. We'll also give you tips on how you can have a higher speed connection to the divine as well as create your own slice of heaven right here. So, Janice. Yes. You, I always say this, but you spend so much time out in the ether, as I call it. <laughs> yes. What can our listeners expect once they begin to understand how we can interact with this heavenly dimensions? Well, think of it in terms of, for our listeners, like you've got this radio inside of you that is constantly talking to you and playing beautiful music. And when you are able to kind of tap into that divine spark that everybody has to really get in touch with yourself, you start to become aware and you hear it. And once that happens, once you open up that door of intuition, the intuition becomes an integral part of of not only your body, your soul, your mind, your spirit, but also everyday living. And so all it, it, it just expands your life into areas that you cannot even imagine. Wow. That, I've never heard you describe it that way. That's absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. Wow. Well, the foundation of our entire existence and the subject we are talking about today in part one of our series is the fact that we are spiritual beings having this human existence on earth. Now, I know for me, I don't, you know, I just don't really think about that all that often. I, you know, you see your physical body, here's my physical being, but that really is totally backwards, isn't it? 
It really is. But a lot of times, you know, when we're living in this third density world, this earth world, Mm -hmm. a lot of times we're just so consumed with the day-to-day living. Right. It really takes something, something special to kind of to spark, again, that intuition or the realization that there's something more than just getting up and going to work and getting married and having kids, you know. And oh, absolutely. So, but yes, yes, absolutely. We are spiritual beings. And once we realize that, like I said before, it opens all sorts of doors. Right. Well, just think, you know, if we thought about ourselves first, think about how different our life would be. I mean, there is so much fear around our physical body. You know, when it comes to death, when it comes to disease like cancer or heart disease, I mean, if we really truly understood that we are an internal soul, it wouldn't be as much of a concern, especially when we lost a loved one. I mean, yes, we're going to miss them, but we're going to be reunited, and they're really, they're just in the next room, right? And that's absolutely true, because nothing that God creates ever dies. Right. And God created the universe. He created our soul. It may change. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, we die, or but even the universes can con- contract and become black holes, but nothing ever dies. And that's right. one of the things I think that people will realize on a spiritual path. And that takes away a lot of the fear, because the souls keep going on, whether it's coming back here or going someplace else. Nothing that God creates ever dies. Right. Well, you think about all those daily frustrations, the drama, like you said, all that kind of garbage you turn on the news and we just obsess about it and you get kind of you know kind of hooked into it and if we can just let a lot of that go and focus on the spiritualness of our soul oh my gosh our life would be so much better we could go after our dreams we could enjoy our life we could realize that you know this is all a game i mean down to the presidential candidates the good the bad and the ugly it's not that big of a deal we could just go ahead and live our life and right, that's so. a lot of times because we're, when we're in, like, we've had this horrible tragedy in Orlando and all right. the other tragedies that are happening, you know, it's, it's, we focus on that. Right. And we have to learn how to realize that what, when we're focusing on it, it isn't the whole entire picture. And exactly. sometimes some people can get so caught up that they lose their peripheral vision, they lose vision on all levels, and that just becomes kind of like an obsession. Right. Well, I think the best thing to do is say a, a heartfelt prayer for everyone and yes. kind of move on. I mean, I don't mean that callously by any means, but move on to something positive and put more peace and love and joy you know, into the world rather than that emotion. Right. And, so. and every great teacher have, have, uh, have always stated, whether it's Christ or, or Buddha mm-hmm. or whoever, that love is the greatest gift. Even the Bible, love thy neighbor as thyself. Right. And that's what we have to do a lot of times on our journey is confront the emotions or feelings or thoughts that we have. And does it, you know, line up with the love that God feels for us? Right. And I mean, how, how do you love that shooter, if, especially if your child is in that club? Oh, yeah, and it's very, very hard. Exactly, which we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, I wanted to say that let's start at the beginning, but there really is none. It is all one big endless loop. So so I want to start. <laughs> Prior to okay. our incarnation of our soul on earth, we have a pre-birth 
soul planning session, which may seem a little bit crazy, but we determine our lessons that we want to learn along with things like, will I be male or female? Will I be homeless? Will I have nine kids? You know, who are my parents going to be? Who are my siblings going to be? What will my personality be like? And how and when will I die? So, I mean, for someone to hear that for the first time, you're like, yeah, right. Okay. I, I picked this. There's just no way. So first of all, my question to you is, who is actually involved with this planning session? Well, you, we talked about earlier, you talked about the heavenly realms. Uh-huh. And I think that that's a great description, because before we are born here or anywhere, we go through the heavenly realms to determine what lessons that we will learn, who we will be, mm-hmm. what we will do with our life. And it's like creating a a huge tapestry. There's so many threads that have to be woven and make sure that they fit. And a lot of times people will talk about, you know, babies being born as a blank slate, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think babies can yeah, come down so. a lot of times with knowing exactly who they are. Right. Oh, I agree. I think there is definitely programming that happens, whether it's from parents or society or you know, they say, you know, it takes a village, and, you know, you are programmed by that village according to their beliefs. I mean, look oh, at the Middle East. And then sometimes, you know, I mean, depending upon how you were raised, if you're not encouraged, you know, you have that tendency to hide that light, and then you have to find that right. Right. for yourself a little bit later on. Right. So as far as a planning session, I mean, I have always read that it's kind of like this council of your spiritual guides, your... Uh, masters, you know, part of your soul group who, who are on that side, and as well as yourself to determine, okay, what soul lessons do I want to learn this time around? And I think this is probably the most important part of this um, session. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely, because, you know, it's not the body or, or who we are in this life that is important. It is the soul that is coming back again, this immortal right. soul that comes back in any time, in any age, with lessons to be learned, gifts that will be shared, you know, um, some people during the Renaissance or even the American Revolution coming back with a, like a soul group of, of putting freedom, you know, right. our, our education or that. It's, it's, a, it's a huge process, and you're part of that process, but it's a, it's a very, very complicated, like I said, it's, it's like weaving uh, threads in a tapestry because you come back and you are, without knowing it, you are born whole. Right. Well, I think what's really interesting is that, you know, we set up these catalysts in our lives and experiences at a young age that actually kind of act as an energetic imprint that kind of set your soul lesson in motion. And once you kind of understand that, it makes a lot more sense. You know, for me, this may seem kind of odd, but my soul lesson is learning how to express myself and knowing that my voice does matter. So here I am doing radio, of all things. Um, but, you know, my dad was my major catalyst. He was and still is and always will be right. You know, my opinion was my opinion, but it was always wrong. Um, you know, in second grade, I got my mouth taped shut for the day. I mean, talk about that's the only thing I remember from second grade. You know, obviously, yeah. my voice did not matter. And it still even shows up physically now. You know, I have thyroid issues which is your throat chakra, which is the chakra for expression. So there's still something I'm not quite getting, but the point is that we all have these things that happen, and this is how your soul lessons are learned, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. 
And to go with your, you know, allegory of your throat, which is very true. And I grew up mm-hmm. the same way, you know that, and I think a lot right. of women did. Um, but imagine that your soul is born with a song. And our our great desire is to sing that song. Right. And that's a lot of times if you keep or are kept from being able to sing that song and to sing it the way you want to. It does. And like you were talking about thyroid, I have thyroid issues too. Mm-hmm. It takes a toll not only on our spirit, but also on our physical body too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is, don't die with the music still in you. And that's yeah. exactly exactly what you are saying. But I think, you know, the big thing is, though, how, how do we learn these soul lessons? And I think a lot of that has to do also with soul contracts, which is really kind of like casting, you know, roles in a play. So you have your parents, you have your siblings, you have your best friends, you have maybe that person when, you know, in second grade, the teacher that taped my mouth shut. You know, those are all pretty much soul contracts, and they're really kind of important in order to learn our lessons, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And especially depending upon the lesson that you need to learn, um, the, the, the original cause of whatever that was, you will have a tendency to be, to be born within that family or within that soul group. And everybody, it's not just one person learning a lesson, but if it's a group kind of lesson that needs to be learned, the group will actually come back. Absolutely. And so your mom and your best friend and your brother and everything like that, you're, you know, they're all coming back and they're, you're all related on a soul level and all right. trying to, you know, open up and do the right thing and to clear out whatever that is, to learn whatever lesson it is meant to learn. Oh, absolutely. And I think some of the most important soul contracts you know, are people that are not with you for a lifetime. They could be with you for a very short period of time, you know, to help you learn a lesson. I mean, years ago I had uh, a very emotionally abusive boyfriend and it forced me to stand up for myself and get out. Now I also found out that if I didn't break up with them the way I did and put myself first, I may not have survived it. So that was really a huge lesson for me. It's like, you know what? I am going to stand up for what I believe in and what I think which I kind of, I don't know why, I just kind of put up with it. So that was a huge lesson for me. It's hard to think, oh, my gosh, this is the person that loves me the most, and he's going to do this to me. But in actuality, that's usually the case, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think it goes back to what you say, not putting yourself first. And we all have, especially women, a tendency to do that, to kind of make excuses, you know, or this only happens once in a while or something like that, or to to Mm -hmm. wonder even if we're not the instigator. And it's, you know, it takes really getting to the point where you have to realize who you are and you have to put yourself first in order to heal. And that, you know, regardless of what your lesson is, healing that lesson or healing that karma is what we really come back for. Oh, absolutely. And and this is something that you may not figure out in one lifetime. I mean, it may take me, I mean, I spent a lifetime in an asylum, in an insane asylum, which I've talked about in one of um, my blogs for doing exactly what I'm doing right now. So obviously it's taken me quite a few lifetimes to kind of get this one. So it can take you probably 20 lifetimes, 50, maybe even more sometimes. I oh, would absolutely. Think. And then, you know, I was at a, 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 
one time, uh, uh, there was a healer that came in and was giving a lecture. And at we, we in finding out whom everybody was there, there were maybe about ten people, and mm-hmm. all of us had been burned alive for the healing work oh, that yeah. we did in a past life. And so we were all kind of quiet and kept to ourselves, and our, our spiritual path was something that we. You know, we kept hidden. We didn't talk a lot about it. And it was just really amazing because that opened up and everybody could remember instances, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, what it does it is it keeps you from shining the way you should and thinking that a gift that you have is, is wrong to have it. And I think, it, you know, right. if we look at in our history, it's like the Inquisition, you know. Right. Um, St. Francis of Assisi because he could talk to the animals, you know. And thank God we Mm -hmm. live now that we understand that there are people that can communicate. People communicate with all sorts of different animals and different people. But it's... it's, Yeah. How many lives have so many of us had that we have been killed, where we've been burned at the stake, where we've been hanged? And so obviously there's a real fear that's still in our DNA. So to come to this life and think, okay, I can do it now, but you still have that fear. You're not sure where it's coming from. Right. And then there was a, you know, that there was a, a, a wide difference between feeling that you are prepared for it and right. then going out and actually having, you know, to, to be experiencing it. And sometimes that fear will just kick in like a knee-jerk reaction, and you're not as brave as you thought you were, as free <laughs> as you thought you were, you know? And that happens oh, to everybody. That's why it does. it's just not a one-shot deal. Right. Well, let's talk about something a little happier. You know, we always, we've actually had a show on this, and there's actually quite a few shows that we've done on specific subjects that we're going to be talking about over the next seven parts. But how about twin flames and soulmate? Usually you find that right person. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's my soulmate. But you know what? That, that guy could have been your dad in a different life or your brother in another one. So can you kind of right. describe the difference between the two? Well, if you look at a soulmate, a soulmate is somebody that you come back with that you have a lesson to learn with. So it will be a child. It might be a, a spouse or a parent mm-hmm. Something like it could be that. you and I, Janice. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Soul connections, and they're and they're they're not that rare. I mean, if you you know, it it it's rare in the fact that you find somebody that you really love, you know. But mm-hmm. that kind of a soul connection, and and you could just simply be coming back with the same people. You help me to heal. I help you to heal. You know, right. and it's a very very close connection, and it's always a, a people that are in your same soul group, which is like a family, and that's based mm-hmm. totally on love. Absolutely. And a twin flame is the other part of your soul. The belief that, you know, when, when by the great masters, when God created man and woman, he simply took one soul and divided it, and therefore you have the, the yin and the yang, the polarity, the difference, and that that twin flame is basically you've got one, and it's the other half of your soul. And a lot of times when you come back, your twin flame will remain on the other side because sometimes that energy put together can be so overpowering that you can't really be in the same place or the same lifetime with right. that person. Right. Well, you know, for anyone that's listened to this show for any time, everyone knows that Janice has her twin flame, Senmet, 
who you worked with back in the golden age of Egypt, which he is helping you giving you the temple recipes for oils that you've brought back in this time. And I think that's the perfect example of how a twin flame would work together from the other side. Exactly. And it's always a teacher or a guide in this lifetime. It's your right. direct lifeline to the other side, to the divine. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think one of the most important things from to remember about this is that we really just can't judge. You know, we had a wonderful show with Nancy Ryan's um, the last time with her near-death experience where she was run over by this woman that was texting in a car, and she never stopped. She kept right. on going. She was dragging her. And right. I could see where you would be consumed with anger at this person, but it didn't even really phase her. And, you know, that is another example of exactly someone who had signed up to say, okay, at this time, at this date, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so you can go into the second half of your life, which, which is exactly what she is doing now. So. Right. And a lot of times, like with Nancy, when you have these almost like epiphanies, these aha moments, mm-hmm. they, uh, unfortunately, and I don't understand it, but a lot of times it comes with illness or death or with right. some kind of emergency or tragedy that really kind of is a, a wake-up call. It's not mm-hmm. a gentle nudge. Nope, it's a cosmic two-by-four. It, it definitely is a cosmic two-by-four. Yep, which I'd rather try to learn my lesson without that. <laughs> Yeah, But some people just like that hit in the head, I guess. I don't know. But, no, I want to talk also about soul conditions. I think this is so, so, so important. You know, we look at people that are successful in terms of money or status as actually being superior to those that are poor or living on the street. But many times, don't you think that was a soul's choice? And aren't they really evolving actually in leaps and bounds as opposed to someone that may be in, you know, the penthouse suite? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, what, what, what we're judged on, you know, when we leave this earthly plane, is we're judged on what's in our heart and in our soul. Right. It's not whether or not where we lived, you know, did we, did we sleep in a beautiful, ornate room, or did we mm-hmm. sleep in a pot? And that is kind of like our physical, this third density, who is good and who is not good. And I can remember reading in one of the books one time that it's why auras were created, so that the angels could watch you and tell by the color of your aura whether or not your heart was really in, let's say, praying or something, or or talking about forgiveness, so that if you got up and you just made this production and everybody thought, oh, my God, they're so remorseful, the angels in that could look at you and tell, no, it's not coming from the heart. So and it's kind of so a spiritual will, lie detector test. Well, exactly, exactly. And so that is one of the things is that you really can never, you can lie to yourself in a situation. But, oh, gosh, yeah. But the divine always knows that, that, that it, is, it isn't true. Right. Well, you know, Mother Teresa said when you look into a person, person's eyes, no matter who they are, you should see Jesus. And that, I tell you, that is really an a very difficult thing to do, which is probably why she is a saint. <laughs> because, you know, you look at reality shows, you look at social media, and it is so sad how far, you know, we really have fallen from that ideal. It's made it a very, yeah. very difficult difficult world because of it. Well, I know my, my, I, one of the teachers that I loved was called Sri Aurobindo, 
And he mm-hmm. once says, and this is paraphrasing, if you're on your search for God and you run into a person and look into their eyes and you don't find them, don't continue your journey. Because <laughs> you have to see good. it in the next person, yes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, from the sounds of what we've been talking about, it seems like most of our lives are predetermined, but we still have a great deal of free will and backup plans. Otherwise, we wouldn't actually be able to learn our soul lessons, don't we? Absolutely, absolutely. And the right. conditions that we put on ourselves sometimes can can seem to be limitations, but they serve a purpose too. And there was actually a, uh, an author that's very was very popular called Scoville Shin, who wrote a book, and again, I I don't know if this is exactly, Life is a Game and Learn How to Play It. (laughs) And that was basically what she did, was that there, if you want to accomplish certain things in your life, that there were certain spiritual rules and aspects that you had to follow, and once you would get into that flow or follow that law, that everything could, would start to work in your flavor, favor, that there was actually right. there were actually rules. You have to find them, but there actually are rules. Huh. Well, you know, we can even look at our own lifetime where the same patterns keep on repeating over and over and over again. It's just Spirit's way of giving you another opportunity to get it right this time. Well, and then look at the number of times is that, you know, it's something that you, you don't see in yourself. So you go right. to a healer or you have a friend to make a remark and you stop and you go, oh, my gosh. And so a lot of times we can be so close to it, you know, that we just don't right. even realize it becomes a habit and we don't pay much attention to it. Well, I think that's one of the roles of our spouses, our parents, our, you know, our good friends is they kind of reflect that back to us so we can actually see it. Right. And then, then once we see it, then that, that ability right. to tap in and learn how to change it, you know, and right. let it go. Well, one of the best lessons I've ever learned was when someone told me, and this was years ago, you know, when you get really angry at somebody, you're not angry at that person. You're angry at something that you have not looked at within yourself. Right. Which is a very good lesson to learn. It is. So, it is. Right. And it's really when odd I'll... because, you know, I use essential oils in the healing work uh-huh. I do. And a lot of times, uh, that's what you can tell. If, if a person it really hates a scent, if they smell an oil and it's awful, mm-hmm. that a lot of times tells them that whatever that oil represents are issues that they have to work on. Oh, wow. So it's kind of like the same thing. Sometimes what, what you pull away from is what you really need the most. Huh. I wonder what it means that I don't like liver <laughs> in any shape, way, or form. I'm sure there's... <laughs> There's something to that. <laughs> that's, I think that's like karmic taste buds. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know, the other thing, too, I want to talk about is kind of these backup plans. I thought it was really interesting when Nancy Ryan's had her near-death experience. Um, they actually showed her a map and showed her all the different alternatives. Okay, if you went over here, this would have happened. If you went over here, that would have happened. And I was even told, you know, a while back, too, is when it came to my husband, if now, we both had to get to a certain place in our lives for us actually to get together and know that it would actually, you know, it would actually work. So if yeah. I took another road or he did, there would have been a different option, a different scenario. So there isn't just one path for anyone. There's probably hundreds of paths. We just exactly. have to choose which road we want to take. And a lot of people will think in terms of, like I used to do it, like a door. 
you know, and you see right. like doors in front of you, and it's like, well, what was the right door to choose? And it took me a long time to understand and to get it that, that there is no wrong choice. Right. You know, you right. choose the door that you want to go in, but there is no wrong choice. Right. Well, you told me this was, I guess, probably a year year or so ago, and you did a reading for me from Semmet, your guide. And you said, okay, there's three doors. You've got to pick one. Yes. Because <laughs> I was too busy standing out in the hallway. So yes, it's like, exactly. okay. Exactly. exactly. And it's like I kind of – and my, I mean, I'm more apt to have three doors open at the same time, and that doesn't work either. <laughs> oh, and that's true. So. And, you, you know, you have the ability, you know, because a lot of times people are so happy that they got to the door, they forget to open it. And so, <laughs> you know, you can open a door and look in it, and then if you don't like where it's going to take you, yeah, you know, true. you close it and go to the next door. You're not, you're not just limited to one shot, you know. Right. But I think this is the lesson here is, you know, open it, walk through it. If that's the door yes. that you want. So that means it exactly. doesn't mean a lot. So and let's that kind of talk goes back about... to... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that it goes back to like you and Joe. You know, you mm-hmm. both had to wait to go through that door until that door showed up that you could walk through it together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for 25 years, I was gallivanting around the country when I came back to my hometown. I mean, my mom was sick and turned out what she, you know, they thought her cancer had returned, but it hadn't. Uh, and that's why I came back. So two weeks later, I ran into him, and there you go. So, I know. I know. So let's talk about exit points. I know this is probably one of the hardest things for people to believe, but, you know, we actually do choose when our physical body dies, and we may give, our, you know, give ourselves a couple options, too. So tell us about how that works. Well, when we come back, we do come back, you know, for a certain length of time. I mean, you know, a lot of times that's part of that karmic package, you know. But then there are people that their karma, it becomes so difficult that they are given, and I've read one time that there are three times in your life where you can actually are presented with the fact, do you want to stay? And that actually Mm -hmm. happened to me one time when I was so very, very sick. And um, I regretted it afterwards, but my first thought was, well, then who will take care of my animals, my babies? Oh, exactly. And I was automatically back in my body and realized I had passed up a chance. So in order to take that excellent point, you know, if it's provided to you, you have to be really, really wanting to go home. Right. And this is not and necessarily that's, that's hard a for conversation. people, you know, if you've got kids, you know, right. and grandkids. It's not an easy choice to make. But this is also not a choice where you're sitting on the couch thinking, hmm, do I stay, do I go? It's really a conversation more with your higher self. Right. So, I mean, let's take like, you know, like the Orlando incident. Um, Those people did have an exit plan to leave that night. Now, it may not have been actually decided prior to their their pre-planning session. It may have been decided, you know, six months ago. But it still was an exit point. Certain people were there that may have never been there before. There's some people that may have been there every weekend but didn't show up that weekend. So right. it actually is planned. 
Oh, very, very much so. Very, very much so. And it's it's unfortunate that, you know, we don't have the ability to see those plans in motion. That right. basically really resides within our soul, within our spirit. And that's one of the reasons it's very important to go ahead and learn how to get in touch with that, you know, that authentic self that you had with that divine spark. Because once you open up that door to intuition, a lot of those people that didn't show up, maybe they just, you know, something just said, ah, you know, don't go tonight, go tomorrow. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think about, um, you know, our friend, and she's been a past guest, Regina Murphy, um, yeah. you know, from Las Vegas. She was supposed to have breakfast in the basin of the World Trade Center, obviously on 9-11, and something told her to change her plans. I mean, this wasn't an easy thing. She had to cancel her, you know, airline reservations, her hotel everything and if she was there at that time she would not have made it no. unfortunately no. you know the same thing also goes i want to say too for illness if someone has and there's this thing in the spiritual community that people kind of have kind of like spiritual guilt oh my gosh you have cancer there's what did you do wrong but a lot of times that also is a choice and it's not just about the lessons you learn but it's also the lessons that you afford people around you to learn by taking care of you as well and then there's also community karma. You know, Diner, who was one of the great teachers, stated that if you see somebody that, you know, you look away from, if they're mentally or physically impaired or they're in a wheelchair, that you're not looking at somebody that was like a horrible person, that you're looking at somebody that's doing community karma. And somebody that comes down to do community karma, let's say to work for Mother Earth or to work for whatever, is picking up and helping you do your karma and to lessen your load. Because if that person is coming down helping to find a cure for cancer, you know, and if you get cancer, you benefit from that person's karma. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a very, very, it's one of the things that upset me personally, I should say, is that when you kind of get into that, we had somebody here, um, and, and you know Cheryl Horde. And she was so well-known, founded a herbal company, just is a beautiful soul. And she died of cancer. Right. And um, it was one of the first things that you would hear in that spiritual community. Well, what did she do wrong? Well. Which is so sad. I mean, what a wonderfully beautiful, gifted woman and everything that she gave. um, And and the thing was, she died of cancer. But the people that she really, really worked with when where her heart was were cancer patients. Wow. And so, you know, my I looked at it as, if, well, if she was going to go, this is how she wanted to go. Maybe take the pain away from or, or bring in wisdom that are going to help these people. And it's just any time you hear somebody talk like that, you know, you have to not only learn it, but you have to integrate it into your everyday life. Oh, absolutely. And with that, you were talking about helping people. We don't have that much. We have about 11 minutes left of the show. So let's go into our Chalk Talk. Okay. Chalk Talk. Love. Love. Prosperity. Prosperity. Joy. Joy. Peace. Peace. This is Chalk Talk. Chalk Talk. Lessons for an Extraordinary Life. Groovy music. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so you've listened to the show and it all sounds great. What is the best place to start getting in touch with our spiritual self? Probably the one of the easiest things to do 
is, and we've talked about this before, is meditation. Right. And meditation allows you to become quiet and to kind of put your conscious mind aside so your unconscious, your subconscious mind, you can tap into that. And that is where your intuition comes from. And, um, and of course, there are, oh, there are, are so many wonderful things that you can do. If, if you decide to do meditation, guided meditations would be the easiest because you can pop in a CD and simply follow what they're telling you to do. Another great healer on, on a scale that I don't think people even understand is music. Oh, absolutely. Like we are born with a song that we really need to sing. So, too, you know, all of the planets, Mother Earth sings her song. Right. You know, they talk about the music of the spheres. And if you get intuitive enough, you can actually hear music. Wow. Well, you know what's interesting is Peter Sterling, who we've had on the show before, he's a, he's a harpist who actually learned how to play music from the angelic realm in Sedona. Yeah. And, you know, he's now getting into painting, and his paintings are actually like portals, and it's the, it's the combination of the painting and the music. I mean, it really does almost transport you to that different dimension. I mean, there's also some wonderful healing music out there. I love, like, Constance Denby, you know, chakra balancing music. There's so many things uh, that can kind of take you out of this, the reality of this world into another one, that's, which are helpful. And that is a lot of times, whether you're talking about, like, dance, any of the arts, that allow right, you right. to express yourself. And that, in turn, is a meditation, too. Some people do walking meditations. They simply walk, and they right. will walk hours. But, you know, if you're dancing or you're singing or you're moving around or whatever, that, that is an expression that is helping to bring that song to the surface. And I think, too, if, you know, some people get kind of, I don't know, oh, my gosh, how do I meditate? I can't, you know, I can't concentrate the whole thing. You know, just walking through a park, walking in nature, walking by the beach, I mean, that really is one of the best meditations that there is. And just kind of open your mind and have a conversation, you know, with your higher exactly. self. And, then and see what also, they say. <laughs> yeah. And the Tibetan monks have one, and it's very, very easy to do if you're starting, is that you either sit or lay down and get very comfortable and mm-hmm. concentrate on your breathing. You breathe in and out, and if you concentrate on your breathing, that's where you put your conscious mind, and that allows the freedom and the limitations to to kind of be released from your uh, your unconscious, subconscious mind. And right. a lot of times people will start to see pictures or to hear something or to know something inside. Absolutely. And sitting under a tree talking to a bird. Oh, yeah. I've got a friend that does that all of the time. And also, too, you know, you may make fun of people saying they're doing like the ohm, that kind of thing, type of uh-huh. thing. But you know what? That enchanting, I mean, that's actually the frequency of the heavenly realm. So that can transport you as well. Right. So and what if you about, really look at, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, what about like flower essences and crystals and things like that? How can flower they Flower essences you? are one of my, my favorites. It, it falls right. under the category of the homeopathic medicine, which is like cures like. And homeopathic medicine, they're essences made from flowers um, that you put a couple of drops under your tongue. And so they're taken kind of like subliminally. Right. And um, they basically deal with emotions. And a lot of times when you've got something that you're trying to work through, 
the hardest thing to get through is the mental or the emotional aspect. Sometimes that's the last thing to heal. So, I mean, there are box flower essences or flower essences. um, You can get them probably at just about any health food store. And I would highly recommend, like lotus would be great for spiritual. There is a self-heal for healing, um, just about any flower that you can come up with. And they all work on your emotional body. You know, everything does come down to frequency, doesn't it? It does. Everything has a frequency. And when we start off, you're probably, most people are at a vibrational level. And that is really kind of grounded, whether you want to be or not, in the physical. And eventually you just move up to a frequency level. And a lot of times when you do that, you become much more open, much more in tuned, intuitive, and you can hear and see things that weren't really available to you before. But everything is a frequency. And basically vibrational healing is whatever your vibration, let's say that you have a vibration, most people have a a frequency, a megahertz, of about 72 to 76, which is a healthy human. But if you want to raise that, you put in frequencies that will constantly raise that. And then if you're sick and your megahertz is at 46, you want to constantly use things like crystals and herbs and meditation and songs and music and, and art. All of those things that are going to put within your body, your system, your aura, all of the higher frequencies because that's basically how you heal. A lower vibration always seeks out and mimics a higher vibration. And if you do it long enough, you raise your vibration, and whatever you're dealing with, whatever aspect, mental, physical, it will will dissipate and it will go away. Wow. You know, there's so much out there, I mean, from the Crystal Bible to, I mean, there's so many reference books where, I mean, there's to pick kind of, you know, what is the best thing for you? I mean, what do you resonate with? I mean, my first choice, I don't care what it is, it's always rose. Rose quartz, rose flower yes. essence. I don't know what it is. I just resonate so deeply with that. But it, it could very easily be something, you know, for somebody else. You can go into a shop that maybe there's 100 crystals there, and what grabs you? It doesn't have to be the, okay, this is we used for this, and this is used for that. It's like, wow, something just resonates, and that's the one that's for you. Exactly. And, and that's when you don't want to get into a limit, limiting yourself. If something right. says you got to get rose quartz and you're attracted to carnelian, and that's what you exactly. really resonate with, that's what you need. And essential oils are another one. You were talking about rose. Rose mm-hmm. essential oil is the highest frequency that you can get. It's like 360 megahertz. So if you put that and use that and put that on your body, you're talking about utilizing the highest frequency and it's an extraordinarily spiritual one. It works on every level. Ooh, and essential oils are great because if you utilize them, within 20 minutes, they're in every cell of your body. That's amazing. On the other hand, too, you also have to think about, okay, if you're putting some kind of a chemical on your body, like bug spray, that's yeah. also in your system in that yeah. short of period of time. So, too, it is really important what you do, what you do use. So with that, we just have a couple minutes left. So let's go into Illumination. Illuminations. Illuminations. It's time for Illumination. Food for your mind. Okay, Janice, what do you have for us? 
Okay, well, this says a quote from, like I said, my favorite, Sri Aurobindo. All should be done quietly from within, working, speaking, reading, writing, as part of the real consciousness, not with the dispersed and unquiet movement of the ordinary consciousness. You know, that is so important. That's the one thing I had at the tip of my tongue and I forgot to say, is that turn off the radio no, not yeah. this show, but <laughs> turn right. off the TV, turn off all the distractions. I mean, my gosh, we're surrounded by something. I don't know what it is, like 110,000 messages that we get bombarded with every day. And just find that peace and enjoy yeah. that quiet. So yeah. with that, I've got my illumination. Okay. I'm not afraid of death because I don't believe in it. It's just getting out of one car and into the next. I love Guess who it. that is? John Lennon. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. Something something to really that. something to really think about. You know, I just on an aside, I was in New York City and it just happened to be the anniversary of when he was shot. People were crying. It was part of the strawberry fields. They were just sobbing. It's like, my gosh, if you only knew he's making he's still making music. He's still there. He's probably right there next to you saying, Don't cry. I'm fine. Right. I'm in a better place. So with that, thank you, Janice, for another fascinating show. And thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. Until next time, be inspired, be empowered, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. Good night.